The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Let us pray. We bow in thy presence, O Lord our God, and give thee praise and honor that it is in thy heart from all eternity to share thy glorious dwelling place with thy people. And we gather before thee as those whom thou hast graciously included in the number given to Christ to redeem. And we draw near to thee this morning through him. We thank thee that already in part we are in thy presence and that that is both a token to us of thine eternal favor uh, but also a down payment and guarantee of that which is yet to come. When all for whom Christ lived and died from every kindred, tribe and tongue and nation each and every one of them spirit and body will be together in perfect harmony and concord and holy bliss before thee throughout eternity. Grant us increased assurance of this. Give to us by thy spirit through thy word fresh and powerful reminders of it. Impress upon us that our citizenship is not primarily here below so that we might live on the earth in a way that magnifies thy holy name and makes known thy grace far and wide. Hear us then, pardon our sins, refresh us as we continue on our earthly pilgrimage and grant to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity in the midst of every kind of adversity and affliction to have the assurance of being at peace with thee through the Redeemer's blood, of knowing that thy spirit dwells within our hearts, given to us to abide with us forever, and enable us to walk together in holy obedience to thy praise and honor. Receive then our thanks, remember all in need, and pardon our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. You be seated, please. We turn once more to the book of the prophet Isaiah and to chapter 26, verses 1 to 6. And then I want to read a few verses from Revelation 21 and 22. First of all, Isaiah 26, verses 1 to 6. Let us hear the word of God. In that day... This song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. 
For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment, The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Amen. May God bless to us his word. We look at this song uh, that opens chapter 26 of the prophecy of Isaiah, a song that is among those that will be sung on that day, the prophet tells us. That is, when the Lord himself intervenes uh, to judge his foes and his people's foes and to save them forever. It is therefore a song that is suitable and fitting in the light of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a result of his life and death, he conquered sin and death, the world and the devil. And it is fitting in the few days after Easter that we remind ourselves of that and sing uh, to his praise who has overcome Him who had the power of death, who has brought the reign of sin and death to an end, who has endured and exhausted the terrors of God and of law, perfecting atonement, and who rises from the dead to proclaim it, so that we rejoice in him who has indeed overcome sin and death and hell and the world. But of course, it's also a song that will be sung when he comes again. 
and then it will be sung as no one has or could ever sing it before. And then it will be sung not only new, but unendingly and increasingly as throughout eternity. More and more is disclosed to us and consequently discovered by us of the great triumph that he has accomplished and the wonder of being in heaven face to face with him who loved us and gave himself for us. We've come across some songs before in this little apocalypse, as it's called, in the prophecy of Isaiah. Here's another. And these opening verses of chapter 26 focus attention on a city. A city, but also its citizens, and also the civic life that characterizes it. Let's look at what is presented before us and try and sketch a picture that we can meditate on. This city is described as strong. Are there no other cities on earth that are strong? Yes, there are. There were. But they are no more. And even those that are are not characterized by the strength that belongs to this city. So in saying a strong city to us, what the prophet is emphasizing is that by comparison with us, all others are weak. And subject to disintegration and decay, partly by attack from without, partly by decline from within. But by contrast, this city is impregnable. No assault from without will ever destroy it. And there is no, there can be, no decay within it that will bring it to an end. Because its walls, outer wall and inner wall perhaps, with a walkway between and a bulwark, at each corner partake of the character of salvation. Deliverance and defense. Deliverance for whoever is found within it. Defense against anything that comes against it from without. And that's the picture that he's presenting. That here is a city different from all others. Because salvation characterizes it. By contrast, of course, Madmena, which is perhaps referred to in the immediately preceding verses, 25.10, where there's a reference to a dunghill. Madmena is a similar word in Hebrew, a city of Moab. That city is destroyed. Devastated, whereas this one stands and remains. And it's called, you see, in verse 5, a lofty city. 
ever since Cain built that first city outside Eden. Cities have been built in praise of man. Many of them in defiance of God, like Babel and Babylon. Many of them in order to keep God out. Isaiah uses a word here which can mean to touch. And yet the touch of God on the world's cities bring it to dust. And not all the might of the world arrayed against the city of God can do it the least damage. This city, of course, ultimately is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, begun on earth. And even though it is on earth, and not yet in heaven, still the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Satanic craft and counsel, think of the gates of a city, planning, deliberation, judgment, and the place through which an enemy would advance. The gates of hell cannot prevail against this city. Christ builds this church. And ultimately, because it belongs to another reality, to the new heavens and the new earth, not only does it stand through time, but it will blossom and become the place of glory, a temple, a garden, a city, expansive, enriching, liberating, enlivening, suffused by and pervaded by the presence of God in Christ forever and ever. It's ours. We have it. Belongs to us. We belong to it. That's what he's saying. When we take it through into the New Testament. This is the city that has foundations. Whose architect and builder is God himself. What about the citizens? Well they're described here too. They're described as a true covenant people. Righteous nation, what Israel ought to have been, what Judah ought to have been, never ever really was. But there will be a true covenant people. And how are they described here then? They're described in terms of their mind and in terms of their walk. Just like Paul. Romans 8, the mind of the flesh. Walk according to the flesh, walk according to the spirit. These are as it were, timeless metaphors in the book of God. This true covenant people. What is said about them is this. They trust. And they live according to the truth. They trust in the Lord and they keep the way of truth that he sets out before them. Their mind is stayed, or you know, the, that um, that term is almost a description, not merely of a thought. It's used of man's creation, 
The form of man is what is. It's part of their essence, what makes them what they are, not just an idea or a notion. Here is something that belongs to their very constitution now. As the redeemed people of God, they have a mind that is fixed. At rest. Stayed upon the Lord, Jehovah, his character, covenant redeemer, and his truth that he has made known to them is what they look to, observe, and obey as they come to worship. Open the gates, festal pilgrimage. That's the picture. They belong to the city. They've been born again by the Spirit of God. They trust in God, their Deliverer, their Savior. And the reality of that is shown by the way in which they live according to his word and rule and law. These are the true people of God. They belong to the city. It's their home. It was prepared for them from before the foundation of the world. They're righteous. But they're also poor and needy. Contrasting picture. But here, the poor and the needy triumph. The lame take the prey. The foot tramples it. The feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. They belong to this city. They triumph over the world. And the civic life is this. That God is their life. He is their everlasting rock. They keep, they trust in him, they keep to his way, he keeps them. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed, formed on thee. God will preserve them through this life and into eternity, forever and forever. And death will cause no interruption. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the one then who preserves, but he's the one who provides. And what does he provide? Peace. Perfect peace is the way in which the Hebrew is usually translated. Here is a peace, a shalom, which cannot be interrupted. By any foe, any sin, any temptation. Here is a harmony between God and man restored. Between men and other men. Women and other women. Men and women. All the divisions that result from the fall. And so unrest and alien obliterated. Now in Christ truly, fully endlessly all at one and it's this note of truly fully and endlessly that I think this song in particular brings out in a remarkable way I can just mention it we've seen and if you've looked at the Hebrew you'll know that this is remarkable poetry and there are similarities of sounds here and there in this song you don't just have assonance you have duplication. 
You have one word repeated without any intervening word. In this way, working from verse 5, he lays it low, lays it low. Yashpil, Yashpil. Abases, humiliates. You see, this repetition is deliberate. There's going to be an end of all rule and authority and power that rears its head against God and his Christ. And they will never, ever rear their heads again. We saw that, didn't we? His hand rests on this mountain. His foot treads down his foes. There isn't going to be the conflict and the struggle that we now know, that the church has ever known throughout the history of the Old and the New Testaments. It's going to end. Abasement, total, irreversible. But then the next repetition going backwards is this. Yah, Yahweh. A double use of the covenant name. His defeat of his foes is going to be total. No one else can totally defeat them. And then you go one step further back and you have shalom, shalom. Perfect peace. Thou wilt keep him in peace, peace. It will be complete and harmonious forever utter rest unity love reigning between each and every one of the redeemed people of God and not a cloud ever coming between them and him because nothing that defiles will ever enter into it there's not going to be a rerun of Eden This is the end. And it's ours. And it'll be glorious. And to him be the praise. Let us pray. Receive our thanks, O Lord, for such a prospect. And we thank thee too, that in measure we know something about it already. By thy spirit a down payment of the redemption to come. We look forward to it as we thank thee for it and pray that we might live more worthily as a result during our earthly pilgrimage. And may thy name be hallowed in and through all who confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.